Hey, okay. Hey, Aisha. Hey, Cece. Okay, so let me go ahead and introduce what we got going on today. So, hello and welcome to our seventh episode. I can't believe we're at seven already of the Well Projects A Girl Like Me live series, which is a new interactive live streaming series advancing health and wellness discussions and education among women living with and vulnerable to HIV. Every two weeks, ICC Coven will sit down with different co-hosts about, and we'll talk about, you know, different key topics in our communities. In today's episode, we will talk about parenting and talking about HIV with our children. Um, I will be speaking with CAB members Aisha Scott and Destiny Smith. Um, we're waiting on Destiny to join. So, Aisha, we're going to get this thing going. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so first, can we talk? Can you introduce yourself? Any affiliations you have? How'd you get involved with the World Project? Those type of things. Yes, as you've already mentioned, my name is Aisha Scott, as you guys can see, and I am an advocate for HIV. I was born HIV positive in 1990, so I am 31 years strong HIV positive. I am affiliated with The Well Project as a CAP member. And I also have my own nonprofit, Positive Support, where I assist women, well, not even just women, really anybody who comes to me for peer support. And I also provide support to um, some nonprofit agencies involving HIV and capacity building. Oh, yeah, you sound like you've been doing a lot in 31 years. <laughs> Look, I just, well, I just got in advocacy about 2015, 2016. Really? So um, another story for another day, right? All right, whole another episode. <laughs> got you. <laughs> got you. So, okay, today we're talking about parenting. I have um, the tendency and known to start crying, so I'm going to try my best not to cry today. I'm not even prepared with any tissue because I felt strong enough. I can do this without tears. <laughs> if not, I'll be using the bottom of my shirt. But okay, so can we talk a little bit about um, your children? What are the ages of your children? So I have two beautiful little girls. They are 13 and four. My oldest actually will be turning 14 on the 31st. So I have two girls. Oh, that's so exciting. Big gap too. <laughs> I see. <laughs> How many years is that? Wait, don't you have a big gap too? I'm about what to talk problem. About it. <laughs> Ten years. About we just like starting time. over. That was not the goal. Okay, <laughs> I thought I was finished. And me too. <laughs> me too. The same thing. Forever, I would tell people, I just want one kid. I just got my one. But you know, things happen. Plan B pills know. don't work. That's <laughs> my story. So. <laughs> I have, Look, <laughs> I have the my son who is ten. He'll be eleven in December, and then now I'm pregnant with my little girl, which I'm so excited about. Um, and just you know, the fact that HIV has to come up again with parenting, like I felt like we were kind of mastering it with the the ten year old. Like I kind of knew what I was doing, but now I'm like starting over again, and I'm I'm a little right. nervous. I'm a little nervous, but we'll see, you know, how this plays out. So with 13 and four, 
are you able to have conversations about HIV with the children and what do they look like? Well, with my four-year-old, we have not really had any conversations necessarily about HIV or anything like that. She could probably understand and comprehend because there's things that I talk to her or say to her. And I'm just like, how did you comprehend that? And she, she speaks back. So she already has logic and some ration in her head. But we haven't quite had that conversation yet. My oldest daughter, she actually has known since she was about seven years old. She used to help me with my medication. Um, she's actually done educational videos that are on YouTube currently. She She's well-educated on HIV and not even just you know, my my situation, but knowing how to protect herself when the time comes. And we have age appropriate discussions. And I talk to her about, you know, how you can get HIV. One of my biggest things I always <laughs> like kind of tell her is like, I protected you. You know, I was not taking that medicine when I got pregnant. I wasn't thinking about that medicine it was disgusting. So, yeah, I wasn't doing that. And, you know, I had a peer come talk to me and she wasn't the same age as me but appear because we had that shared status and she had previously had a baby that she had that was negative so she sat me down and you know told me you know you don't even like taking the medicine you know you don't want your baby to take the medicine but I mean with her our conversations I, I'm so big on her knowing how she can protect herself and just being educated because I I've already protected you, so you don't have it. I don't want you to go out there and get it on your own. So the best way to combat that is to give her the education. So I'm not shy about talking to her, even if that involves having other conversations that are not necessarily just about HIV, but having conversations about friendships and dating and boys and just us just being able to be open with each other and have dialogue. And she trusts herself in myself to be able to share information and know that we can have these honest conversations without you know repercussions cool so i don't know if any differences would you know present themselves because you have daughters and you know i have a son and i think that society like we kind of not to say that it's right or wrong but we rear you know those two genders differently and i know that we're working on a lot of you know addressing these biases and you know just these differences as a whole and as a parent i can say that i have not always been perfect in that so i feel like even growing up when i was younger um my brother, who was only a year and a half younger than me, his sex conversations looked a lot different than my sex conversations. Like, yeah. as soon as they found out that I was having sex, you know, birth control was immediately the conversation it was had. It wasn't, you know, keep yourself safe, da 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 da. It was straight to birth control. Whereas with my brother, they, he kind of just got like a slap on the wrist. And then we would see, you know, the different girls coming in the house and I'm not sure what the private conversations were with them but he wasn't like I don't know it didn't seem like they took it as serious yeah there was a clear difference in how you both could act we all know that has a lot to do with gender roles me personally that has nothing to do with how I parent and especially when it comes to HIV because 
in my head, I know that education works and, you know, not having any appropriate conversations actually can bite you in the butt, you know, not telling your daughter how to protect herself, you know, um, or making her feel that, you know, she has to sneak around and she has to do those things. That was me. I was that child. My grandparents, they didn't have those conversations with me. You know, we went to church three to four days out the week. And um, a lot of my time was spent around my family. I wasn't even really able to have children. I'm sorry, not children, but um, friends. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even able to have friends, you know, growing up. You would have your friends at school, but my grandmother was very big on when you leave school. You know, it's about your family. It's about church. And that's what she, that's literally how she uh, raised me. Really, even my brothers, too. You know, um, and my grandmother, she, she was very old school. So, you know, to her, I had to wait until I was 16 to go on a date. And when I say I went crazy, I jumped out the door. Okay. Hold on real quick. I just, um, Destiny has gotten here. So I'm going to add her so that she can join in on our conversation. Okay. But hold that thought because I want to hear it. Them old school grandmas is something else. Okay. Hey, Destiny. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. I'm okay. not sure if you heard what we was talking about, but I just want you to introduce yourself real quick, your affiliations, how you got involved with the Well Project, and then we're going to jump right back into this conversation. Okay. My bad. I was late. I was dropping my daughter off at school. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm Destiny Smith. I am a CAB member with the Well Project. Um, I was actually introduced by Googling. When I found out I was HIV positive, I was looking for a support group, and it was one of the first ones that popped up. Um, and I started blogging back in 2018, I think, the end of 2018. Um, and that's about it. All right. What are the ages of your children? Uh, my son is six, and my daughter is three. Okay. Okay. So um, we were just at this moment we were talking about um you know those gender roles and how they didn't really seem to play a big deal in Aisha's house and she's not using that that's not a factor in how she's raising her children I talked about how my brother like he got a slap on the wrist when he was having sex but they just wanted to throw me on birth control and I'm going to pose to you do you feel like you would be having different conversations with your daughter or your son when it comes time or would you you know, would a conversation be the same? Um, I feel like the conversation would be the same. I mean, growing up, my mom talked to me and my brother both about sex. Um, I feel like because he was a boy, though, he he didn't get into as much trouble as I got into. Like, it was stuff he would do that I was doing that when I did it, it's going to knock you out across the room. But when he <laughs> did it, it was, oh, he good, you know, he can just. And so, yeah, but... Um, my, though my daughter is three, she's a little bit more tougher than my son. And I was pregnant with her when I was diagnosed. So I think the conversation will be a lot more easier with her. Um, my son shows his emotions a lot. Like he knows I have HIV. He knows I take medicine, but him being six, six, he just doesn't understand like the concept of it. Cool. cool. So with Zion, I've, um, because I see how much 
I missed out on the conversation of just sex, learning my body, you know, all the things that kind of encompass that topic. I started, you know, pretty early with him. Not exactly, you know, talking about penetration and, you know, all of that, but this is very much so an open house over here. He, you know, we talk about, you know, testicles and he loves to use the words balls and nuts. Like we talk about those things. We talk about, you know, women's periods and what happens, you know, <laughs> when I'm bleeding or whatever it is. And he thinks it's so disgusting, but I feel like he needs to know, you know, all parts of it and how we are different, but then how we're so much alike. We talk, you know, I want him to be able to just come in and show me if he notices something on his body that doesn't look right to him. I want him to be comfortable because I don't want him to have to depend on the outside world to give him that information, mm -hmm. um, which was where I was getting a lot of my information from. And it was misinformation. Um, even to this age, I'm 33 years old and I'm still like, <laughs> no, Cece, you know better than that. Plan B might not always work, although it works for some people. Like, why don't you go and, you know, research on your own? Just because this person was able to go out here and have unprotected sex this many times, you know, you, you can't do the same thing. Everybody's story and path is different. So um, I'm just really grateful that, you know, I'm able to acknowledge these things and I can pour my mistakes into my child in a way that you know we can make them not mistakes anymore we can learn from this and do better so um i love our cab i posed these questions you know to our cab was there anything that they wanted to make sure that we talked about today and one of the questions that keeps popping up from people that have children and don't is how do you disclose to your children like, I know that yours are a little younger, but what does that conversation even look like? Well, I guess I'll go. Um, I know for me, it was just a little bit different because I was in advocacy first and my daughter just found it. Like she was just like, why you? Why do you um, talk about HIV? But I don't even think she realized what HIV was when she said it back to me. She just was kind of asking, you know, like, what is it that you're talking about, and why are you posting about it? So um, we actually made a video, and that video video is on YouTube. But it was basically me actually disclosing to her in the video, telling her um, what it means in a way that she can understand it. And then pretty much just, yeah, that was pretty much it. We just shared a little information. We talked about it. I let her ask me some questions. That was like the most important part to me was just making sure if she had any questions that I answered them and made sure that she understood what was going on. Um, but that was that. My four year old, I mean, I don't necessarily know how or when I will necessarily disclose, you know, maybe if my child was, you know, positive, that may make me, I guess, try to get a timeline together or something, because I would have to figure out, you know, when is the best time for me to disclose about myself in them. 
But, you know, being that it's just something that affects me, I don't necessarily know when, you know, it might just happen exactly the way it happened with her sister. You know, the day she asks is the day she'll find out. But um, I don't I don't necessarily think it's something that I would I, I have in my head a day or time, you know, or really have an answer for when it's going to happen. And again, I just think it's because, you know, I. It, it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, affect her. So I don't feel like, you know, there's something that I have to do. But of course I want to, you know, when the time comes. I just, right now, she's she's only four. So it's like, don't, I don't want to cloud her mom with that. I know when I when my daughter found out, you know, she became really responsible for me. Like, wanted to, like, she did my medication for years and she would be, you know, in my face for years. Like, did you take your medicine? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> or she'll go check my pill binder. Like, you didn't take your medicine. And, you know, <laughs> I would see how she, you know, that would bother her. And um, I've had HIV for a very long time. We already discussed it since I was born. So adherence is an issue for me, you know. Um, it, it just is because I've had those moments where I could go off my meds and know that I've been okay. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I think I'll just allow it to happen as it may. Great, great, great. What about you, Destiny? Um, so I think with my son, I kind of want to have the conversation um, sometime this year. Um, actually, when I first found out about my status, I seen the video of you and your daughter on YouTube, and it really? kind of feel a lot better because I'm like, okay, there's other women with kids, so I can look at other things to see how I'm going to have the conversation with my child. Uh, my son is the same exact way. He knows I take medicine. He'll bring me my pill bottle. He'll ask me if I took my medicine. If I didn't take it, he'll go give me water that watch me take it just to make sure I took it. Um, like they're a parent, right? Right. And then <laughs> my daughter, she's three. So when I found out I was pregnant with her, um, she's negative. So I mean, she still like goes to the doctor and they check everything double times because I'm scary. I need to make sure everything is fine. She's cool. Um, so I just feel like same thing. She's young. We'll have the conversation when it gets there. Um, but the fact that I that I blog and I'm I'm very open about my status. Like anything social media wise, my status is in my bios. People can ask me questions. I wrote I've written a book. So I feel like I will tell them sooner than later because the place I live in is small and everybody talks about everybody and I would rather my kids hear from me than for them to be at school and somebody else's kid is like, Oh, well isn't your mom the girl with HIV that wrote that book or my mom said this or you know what I'm saying? So I would rather have the conversation with my kids while they're young so they know whatever everybody else is saying, it, it has nothing to do with what I already told you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, with Zion, I think that 
I can't remember exactly what age it was that I disclosed to him, but I'm one of those type of people that like, you know, the more we say it, the more we talk about it, the less power mm -hmm. it has. So if we just talk about HIV around the house, like is like, you know, making a cup of apple juice or something, then eventually, you know, he'll look at it like that. And I don't know if that was to my demise or what, because then I began to worry about you know, how much is he taking on of that? We know that HIV is a virus and we know that, you know, it can, you can be harmed by it or, you know, one day eventually die. I'll tell, say that because that's what you would hear. So I don't know if that, if he takes on any parts of that. And because of that, I, um, that was one of the reasons why I got him enrolled into therapy because although, as his parent, you know, I try to jump out and address as much as I can on my own. I know that there are still things that I'm going to miss. And if it's not me that he feels the most comfortable, you know, speaking with about those type of things because I'm the one that's afflicted by it, then I would want him to be able to have a space to be able to talk about that. Um, I started with, you know, like taking as he was taking his vitamins every day, then I would take my pill at the same time to kind of normalize, you know, just taking medicine. And that worked for a while, but now, you know, with the whole schedule and everything being thrown off, we're not both in the bathroom brushing our teeth at the same time every morning and doing like we used to do. So that kind of has split. And I just often wonder, you know, how much of that he has taken on onto himself. And yeah, I, I know with my daughter, she she did. And that's why I think with my second, that's why it's just like even more so a little bit wanting to because I do want to be able to protect them from stigma. Yeah. And, you know, people saying things because I also say it's not a small area at all, but everybody's in everybody's business here. They're all about exposing people. You know, it's funny, you know, just like that crate challenge. Everybody's kind of going against you while you crossing and then when you get down you know everybody's cheering you on that's how it is here like really everybody want to see you fall but then when you succeed it's like oh okay because that's just how it is with me before i came out with my status it was like such this secret that everybody want to put out and it does scare me for my children because i don't want people to make them feel you know bad about themselves because what i'm going through because i even Remember for myself, but my mom never had the opportunity to disclose to me. She passed away when I was 11 years old. And I still remember being at her funeral and my cousin coming up and telling me. And I was in, I was just so, you know, floored. So my own feelings about, you know, that situation and knowing how I felt, I think that's what also makes me think about my children because I care what you know, they may hear, but I also care about them being so emotionally invested in what I have going on. Because I remember when I would get a little bit sick, Imani would be so scared. Like you would think to her in her head, like this was my last leg I was on and I was never going to be seen again. And that bothered me for her because it's like, you are a kid, you're like seven, eight years old. You shouldn't be feeling like this just because I get a little sick. And it's only because now that you know my status, because before that, that didn't, that wasn't an issue for us. You know, you can get sick and it was just, okay, you got a cold. 
But once I started getting sick and, you know, my status and, you know, a little bit about HIV, it's like, are you okay? Are you sure you're taking your medicine? And it's just, it just becomes overwhelming. So it really does make disclosing to your kids a little bit different, difficult. And it's it's definitely not one size fits all. At all. Um, I'm going to get to you in a minute, but I want to go back and address some of these comments because they have been definitely coming in. We have one, um, Janique, she talks about how her kids are 5 and 15, and she told her 15-year-old um, a few months ago, and he, she said he took it pretty well. He just hasn't boarded up again, and he'll just ask her, like, are you okay? And that is the part that I'm like, oh, my God, you don't know how much that child has taken in. Um and Bridget says, I learned when kids ask you, are you okay a lot? It can be a sign of low-level anxiety. And I'm really worried about that. Um, Katie says, my son is 19. Before I found out he had a girlfriend, I explained to him HIV. I preach safe sex and keep condoms everywhere and taught him how to use them. He knows the stigma I deal with and how I feel about after having, about ever having a normal relationship again. I don't know what a normal relationship is because I'm still at 33. I'm still learning. I don't know. I, I thought I had one or two. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a kid, another kid. So we'll roll with that. <laughs> um, Joe talks about, you know, in India, how patriarchy still rules. Um, going back to our conversation at the beginning, yes, like, and I wonder how much it differs of, across cultures, you know, would disclosing to my child here look the same as if I live somewhere else? Would I ever want, you know, my child to have to take that on? I don't know. Um, Katie, I never thought my kids were old enough to understand, but then they found out from kids at school. I, my feelings would be so hurt. My God. They would be so hurt because I want to be the one to, you know, expose my kids and make sure they get their right information. So and I think that she talks about that. So um, she said, very hard. I felt guilty for years for how they found out my status. Katie, I hope that you have been able to forgive yourself. Hope that you've been able to move on from that because I can only imagine how hard that was. Um I'm going back to the cab um, input. As a parent, you always see your kids as babies. It's hard to acknowledge that they're grown or capable of truly understanding. How do you tell yourself that they're ready for the talk? I had this issue with my kids and eventually they found out from the kids at school. Bullying was a problem for them growing up. How do you handle feelings of guilt for what they feel, fear, or go through because of your condition? I think we've kind of touched on like destiny can you just like try to imagine like so I, my kids are still babies um they both don't tell me they're not my babies but they're still babies um my son though since he was young he expresses his feelings very well he'll tell me when i'm agitating or like if i if i yell or something he'll be like mom you just need to calm down like we can sit down let's talk about it and I just be looking at him like, okay, so is you the dad or am I the mom? Because, <laughs> but like now, ever since I had my son and the way that he expresses himself, I'm able to express my feelings more and have hard conversations. So I feel like with him, the right time is any time. It's just 
because he is six, he loses focus a lot. But other than that, um, any time is the right time to have a conversation with your kids. I just feel like if we don't have the conversations, like she said, her, her children found out at school. And elementary school and middle school is like the worst time in school. Kids are so mean, kids are blunt. And they'll say anything. If they heard their mama talking about it at home, they finna say something to the whole class. They don't they don't care because they don't understand that that wasn't their place to say something. So I just feel like even if they don't necessarily understand what HIV is, if if I have the conversation now and he goes to class tomorrow and somebody says, Oh, your your mom's the one with HIV and they laughing, all he knows it's a, my mom already told me she had HIV and when she told me it wasn't a laughing matter, so and he just moves on um but i just like if we wait until they're like in seventh or eighth grade or high school at that point it, it really don't matter where you live um if people know your kids are gonna find out they're gonna find out like when i when i became public with my status it wasn't necessarily because i wanted to it was because everybody in my town was talking about me but nobody was asking me what what was the situation or what exactly happened or what do i have like all i kept hearing was i have aids and that wasn't my story and nobody else can tell it but me so i would rather have it with my kids than them here from anywhere else hey she have anything to add today I mean, I, I definitely understand, you know, where she's coming from. Um, I know for, I, I, I don't know, I guess with my daughter, I mean, she has experienced some of it, you know, after me telling her my status. And I will, I will say that it being something that was normalized in our home, you know, when people said something to her, she's very matter of fact very very confident and she handles you know um ignorance kind of just like i do on social media you know people say ignorant stuff and i'm just like you know i don't get mad it doesn't bother me um i think it also has a lot to do with uh, about teaching your child how to control their emotions and how to um, be able to come back because children go through things, period. They don't even have anything to do with us. They go to school. Kids get bullied about things. We have right now, uh, what they, what they say, the, the child suicide rate is like the second leading cause of death for children. Mm-hmm. But these kids are going through stuff and it has absolutely you know, nothing to do with well, some may have something to do with HIV, but majority of these kids, you know, they just don't know how to control their emotions. They don't know how to deal with their emotions. And um, they really don't maybe don't feel like they can talk to their parents about stuff. And that's why I said earlier, even with, you know, Imani, she has in her she knows within herself that we can talk about any and everything about her feelings, you know. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to be upset or angry you know, based on the conversation, I'd like to have open, honest conversation with her, even if they make me uncomfortable, because I know it's important for our children. And even just like you saying, you know, your your son has been to counseling. Same with Imani. And I don't even prioritize my own mental health. (laughs) 
prioritize hers. So I think that stuff contributes to how your child can handle anything, not even just finding out from other kids that you have HIV. Kids are killing themselves because people are picking on their shoes. Okay. So, you know, our kids don't have the same threat, mental threshold as adults. Adults barely have a, a good level of mental or mental threat. So, you know, a lot of us are hanging on by threads and that's why the world is in disarray. So I literally just focus on that, making sure that she's able to deal with that. And she's already had instances in elementary, middle. She just started high school last Wednesday. She hasn't had anything as of yet with high school, but she has come to me at times and said, you know, mommy, somebody saw your social media and, you know, they said, you know, you have HIV and I'm, she was like, she does. <laughs> questions? Like, what did she say? The person was just looking at me like, do you have any questions? And they were like, do you have it? She was like, well, let me educate you because you seem uneducated. I say, snap, snap, and get that yeah. off from your mom. <laughs> and you, she did it nice, you know, not in a nasty way. She was like, I wasn't nasty. And I'm like, that's just like me. Like, people see me responding to people all the time. They're like, how do you cuss them out? And I'm like, for what? You know? They're they're uneducated, you know. I'll say give them a little education. They say some ignorant back. I don't have to entertain that. I'm okay with me, and I think that's the most important part is having a child and teaching your child to be okay with themselves. To be, you know, when they are, they're it's they're better able to handle the things that these children are throwing at them. So that's what I have to add to that. <laughs> Well, thank you. There was a lot of addition. Appreciate it. <laughs> so with my own, I have a niece who is like 15 and we're like Instagram friends and her friends just want to follow my Instagram and everything. So they know, you know, all of my business. <laughs> and she asked me not too long ago, she was like, Cece, how come when people find out you got HIV, they think I got it? like wow i didn't even like put that together this is not my child we don't live in the same house we don't live in the same state and still people will associate my hiv status with her it's like wow it really is this ignorant but i've used it as an opportunity you know to fill her up with as much information as possible sort of what it seems like imani is doing here and you know she'll be able to answer those questions after she gets over the shock, because I wouldn't be imagining, you know, that anybody would be thinking that I had HIV because my auntie had it. Um, but just allowing them to just continue to educate, you know, generations, this is a whole trickling effect. You know, we might be the ones living with, but still being able to impact 13, 15 year olds, I think that is amazing. Um, in the fact that we are all thriving with it. So whatever image that media has portrayed or what they may have seen before, kind of makes them like to question themselves because, you know, we're doing well and I'm so grateful for that. And to be able to, you know, sit and talk with someone who's been living with HIV for 31 and to be as beautiful, you know, as you are, to do that, it feels like such an honor because when I was diagnosed 13 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to tell me. In my head, I only got seven years left to live. In my head, because I put a 40-year-old um, 
lifespan on my life, life expectancy. So that's beautiful. And I think that what we're doing here, preparing, you know, next generations, they're already HIV advocates and allies, and they don't even really recognize that. So yes, go us. Go us. I think, I think um, one of the things that we can do, because something that I was doing as far as sex talk, and this and these are things that I would not even do with my daughter, um, just if I'm speaking to you. You know, one of the things that we would do for the girls and the boys is go over like rebuttals and, um, you know, say some of the things that they may hear, you know, for a guy to get them to have sex. Like, you know, you know, everybody's doing it or, you know, if you really like me, you would. And it's, you know, no, if you really like me, you wait. So mm -hmm. the same thing with like HIV, you know, like me and Imani, we kind of went through that too. Like, oh, what if somebody says, you know, what would you say? Like, how would you feel? So I think that's a good thing to do too, kind of like going through some of the things that they may hear and kind of helping them out with what they could say. Because I know even with Imani, one of the things we had talked about is if somebody said, you know, well, your mom has HIV, which she does her own little thing now, but we would say, you know, yes, and anybody can have HIV. So and that was just little things that we would do. And I would like, you know, that's your quick rebuttal. So if they say something to you, you got something back and it's, you can go about your business. And that's one of the things I will always tell her, like, you don't have to entertain a conversation that you don't want to be a part of. Like walk, walk away. You, you said what you needed to say and that's your clothes. You can go. So I think, um, I, I think just everything as far as how you teach your child to feel about themselves is what would determine how they handle any um, thing that's meant to hurt or harm them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we missed a comment from Bridget, and if you want to respond, um, Destiny. So Bridget says, wish the media would put as much energy into talking about people living with, or people, I'm sorry, into talking about how people are thriving with HIV as they did in the 80s and 90s, trying to convince people that this was the deadliest thing since the bubonic plague. And Krista says, agree, Bridget, in the fact that AIDS is often used in the media still instead of HIV. Um, it shows how far behind we still are. I absolutely agree. I saw ja, um, Janichi said, that people will say, oh, she got AIDS. And like, no, that's wrong. I have HIV. Like, oh, and I'm seeing, you know, reading comments, even when that the baby thing came out. I love to go into the comment section because those type of things don't affect me. I, I, I don't know if I'm different or at all, but I kind of expect the ignorance. So going down the comments, I'm like, okay, okay. But y'all are so wrong. Like, you don't even sound like you know a little bit of anything. So, um, yeah, I think we have a lot of work to do. And I think that you, Destiny, especially with your kids being so young, like, they're so, I look at them as like these blank slates and we can kind of form and mold them into, you know, what we want or what, I don't know what we would imagine because, you know, they're their own people they're going to grow up and do whatever they want to do but um you you are in such that precious precious stage and you can mold them and i see that you are definitely on the right path to do that do you have any inhibitions or you know does it make you nervous at all 
to have to have these conversations? Do you think, I know that your son is very good at expressing himself, but do you think that they would be able to take all of that on? Like if somebody was to say something? I think uh, the only thing I worry about is uh, that they're my kids and I don't know how to hold my tongue and they are me. Um, we're all cancers. Um, so that kind of, <laughs> that kind of runs deep. My daughter has a temper. Um, so I feel like if, even though I am going to have the conversation with her, I feel like if somebody approaches her about it and it comes off the wrong way, she might sin. Like, and I, and just like Aisha was saying, if we are talking to them, right, and having those conversations with them and letting them know to love and be who they are within themselves, it's a, it'll probably be a whole different conversation. And with my kids, me and my parents and mostly everybody in my family speaks light into them. So um, I can expect for them to just walk away from situations, but being that they are my kids, it might not happen. Um, um, but I just think being that they're young and they'll know from early on what it is that I have, what it is that I deal with. And because I'm very open with my status and I don't hide anything, I think I think they'll be fine. Um, I think they'll know how to have the conversations with people. They'll know how to educate people who aren't educated because I feel like truthfully, people who are educated about HIV and AIDS, there's there's no no com bad conversations happening. It's people who don't want to take the time to learn. Like even even speaking on myself, HIV was nothing I I cared to learn about growing up. Like I seen it in movies, and the movies I seen it in, it was at the end of the movie when people were dying, their HIV is now AIDS. And that's how I felt. When I heard I had it, that was my first thought. So what's gonna happen to my baby? And when am I gonna die? And that's because we're not being educated and we're not having these conversations. So in, even in schools, like when I was in school, we did have sex ed, but the STIs and STDs they were talking about weren't big ones. It was, Chlamydia and stuff you can get rid of in seven days, you're good to go. Keep having fun. That's what kids do. No, because it's not fun when it's something bigger. And now we don't know what to do because I can't get rid of this in seven days. It's not going to happen. So I think just having the conversations with them, having the conversation at home, they'll have the conversation with their friends. Their friends will take it to their parents. Their parents will take it to their friends and so forth and so on that eventually it won't be a, a pandemic anymore. It won't be a stigma anymore. It might, it's gonna take a while, but we gotta start somewhere, so. You know what I found extremely helpful is the moment that I got into like public advocacy, because I feel like I've been doing this for a long time. But once I became like open I have some really good advocate friends who also have children. So being able to create this community for my child who like is normal, like HIV doesn't come up in our conversations every day, but he may see us all involved in like maybe a talk or a webinar, or, you know, we're going to an event together and then he gets to play with their kids. 
and things like it's not like we're ostracized at all which i think is it has been very helpful as well as he attends a camp during the summertime that is for kids that are living with are affected by hiv and aids um domestic violence and incarceration so he gets to once again build his support system up of other people that aren't so far into the idea of one living with HIV. So they don't know that that's why they're there at camp, but as they get older, that will be, you know, divulged to them. And I'm just so grateful because eight years ago, it was just me and him. And I didn't really know, you know, how we were going to move forward in this. But the fact that we have this support, I think it makes me so excited. So, so excited that we're not the only ones and he could see that and other people's parents are living and you know mommy's gonna be all right it just warms my heart so much mm-hmm. um let's see if there's anything else from the ch- the cab that we haven't talked about um we've talked about our children being um helping us stay adherent to our medication does that get on your nerves, though? Like, at that point, do you wish that you didn't say anything? <laughs> Look. Because they're so dramatic. They're so dramatic. Like, they're the doctor, and you got to do what they say, or it's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. And that's a part of that, what I was saying, what make it so difficult about disclosing to them. Because, like, yeah, you don't want people outside the house to, you know, make them feel away, but them and their extraness <laughs> and don't and don't take a medication vacation oh goodness <laughs> now, now you're ready to you're, you're losing it okay mm-hmm. my daughter used to be like what a vacation what's that <laughs> there's no such thing you're supposed to take your medicine every day and, she, and then she and my daughter she's smart she's one of them what are you teaching me if you're not taking oh, it every wow. day? <laughs> you're so right <laughs> Yeah, but she she's gets emotionally my she's emotionally invested in my health. Yeah, I can imagine it. My mom, when I was about nine years old, um, she's a smoker, and I remember going to school and learning, you know, about the the harm of smoke and secondhand smoke. And for about two weeks, I walked around the house crying, like bawling crying because I was like, mom, you're gonna die, you're gonna die. And I just remember having that weight on me and the the stain, I would look at her, you know, as she's over there smoking her cigarette or whatever. It's like, oh my God. And I just would not want to replicate that in my child. That fear of, you know, took me a long time to and I'm still I'm 33 but I'm still like kind of learning how to separate from my mom um like that she's my world she's like everything and you you're going you're doing something that could take you away from me oh my god stop it so I don't know I, I don't ever want him to be in that position um Krista she puts a comment in the comment section has anyone ever brought their kids to a doctor's appointment so they can ask the healthcare providers questions mm-hmm. i've never um 
taking my kids to the doctor's appointments. Uh, but there's been times where they have had to get blood drawn and I had to um, get my blood drawn for the doctor's appointment and they're taking like 15 tubes and then they're asking questions, trying to figure out why they have to take so much blood and stuff like that. But um, to the actual doctor's appointment. I don't think I've ever taken Zion to an appointment either. It is a great idea to do that. Um, he goes to a pediatrician that is affiliated with my infectious disease doctor, but it's not like HIV is a conversation when we go into there. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll consider it. Thank you, Krista. I, okay. My I children think- go to the doctor with me, but asking provider questions, that's what I was shaking my head no to. They haven't necessarily asked provider questions. Me and Imani actually went to the same doctor for, um, maybe what, seven or eight years up until she was like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she about nine actually. Yeah, because even when I first moved to Orlando, I we would drive back to go to the doctor back home. Um, so we had, we had the same doctor um, at CDTC. As long as there was one person living with HIV, the entire family could go there for, um, for care. So my daughter, she went to the doctor with me, but I never thought to have her, you know, ask questions or she never seemed like she wanted to ask questions to the provider. And she found out when she was seven and we still went a few years after that before we transitioned to a new provider. But no, I think I think I did a good job of answering the questions for her. So I don't feel like she necessarily had any questions for anybody. It was just more so now that she knows like, okay, I know now, let's make sure you take your medicine and let's make sure you do this. But, you know, even when she found out, you know, you said you saw my video. So it's like, I literally educated her. Like I told her, you know, this is how you can do get it. You know, then I kissed her and I'm like, yo, you don't, you're not gonna get it from this kiss. So, you know, um, I didn't necessarily, yeah, I didn't necessarily, I don't think she just had any questions. So. That was a no, but maybe for my second child, maybe that's something um, just depending on how she takes it. Maybe that's something that we can do. But if we can have the discussion ourselves, then I would just, you know, just have that in whatever question she have do my best to answer her. I think um, especially for Imani, me being the one to answer the questions gave her a lot of comfort, you know, because when I first told her, you know, even in the video, I think she was a little shocked, just like understanding like, OK, you have something that you know you have to take medicine every day and even though you're not sick right now you know you could potentially um maybe get really sick so but yeah i don't i I don't yeah i don't think i don't i don't know oh i'm (laughs) okay The whole computer just shut down. Sorry, y'all. Okay. Yes, it's still going. Y'all are the bomb. Okay. So, did y'all talk about anything? Did I miss anything? Cue me and ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We were still on the same, um, the same thing. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. I, I got kicked out when you were talking about how you and your daughter were still in the same doctor. I think that is so... Cool. Is it because you were still in like adolescent care or like how was that able to work out? Wait, what did you say? 
I said, is that because you were still in like adolescent care? How were y'all able to see the same doctor? Oh, because I went to Children's Diagnostic and Treatment Center and at that um, CDTC, I, I pretty much had been there since I was born. My mom went there, I went there. And then when I had my kids, they're able to go there. So um, if one person is impacted by HIV, the whole family can receive their care um, at that location. So that's just how we was going to the same doctor. It was easier because you know we could make our appointments together. And she didn't always have to go when I went because I, I know when I first had her, that's when appointments were like every three months, you know, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, because money's 13. So you were um, diagnosed back then, CC. But back then you had, you know, more appointments than what they kind of make you have now. You know, you had to go like every three months. Mm -hmm. So um, she didn't necessarily go as much as me. But, you know, when I did go, I was able to align our appointments. But yeah, I was basically just saying, you know, I don't think she had questions because I don't know if you saw our educational video, but we kind of really got into it. So I just, you know, it never crossed my mind to have her ask the questions, but I will say, I think me being the person really explaining it to her and kind of reassuring her, I think that's what really gave her a lot of comfort that it was coming. But, you know, Maybe if it would have came from a doctor, it would have gave her an extra level of, <laughs> you know, because some people really do, you know, trust the doctors a lot, um, period. But I don't know. I don't know if it would have made any difference with Imani with her hearing it because with her, me and her, the type of relationship we have, like, we're like, that's like my best friend, my daughter at the same time. Like, that's my, that's my boom. <laughs> so... You know, I think, I don't know, but my second daughter, we might do it. If she have questions, I just, I don't know. But that was a good one. Definitely something to think about sharing with others and making sure that they know that. Because we talk about stuff like that, like with your partners, but why nobody thought about that with their That's kids? what I was going to say. I just took my- to the doctor, let them ask the questions. I've <laughs> taken them. I've taken a couple to the doctor. And then I'm like, man, I have never <laughs> taken science. Right, like why we think about that, but we thinking about, you know, we take it over. You know what it is because it's probably much easier to kind of, not even much easier, I don't think so, but I think with our children, we look at them as like precious and they already look at us like, you know, we're there. Especially if you're a good parent, you know, your child is looking at you like you're their end all, be all. So with them, I don't, I think, you know, it's, I think that's what makes it so extreme and how and how and when people choose like you have those people that are just so afraid and it, it's just not even an option to do because you know you just really just want to protect your child you know you don't want them to have to deal with stigma and you really just and those people oftentimes you know just not even tell anybody that's it's a secret so it adds on even extra layers of burden and then you have those on the other end where you know they're able to tell their child and have the conversation and so um all in all i i think with when it comes to us dating a person and telling them it's like absolving that ourselves of that responsibility that seems a lot better because it's like i don't even know if i want to be rejected by you so ooh, you know and i think also for me that's like a big thing for me because my fear is being rejected by somebody I don't even like like that. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I don't really want to tell you. like, But 
um, if we do make it to that stage where I even thought about, you know, like going to the doctor, I, I don't know. I think it's just easier to take that step out when you're not, you know, when you're dating that person. It's like, oh, let somebody else do it because it's so mm-hmm. fancy. So but with your children, you don't have like those butterflies necessarily or those, you know, the same as you do with a relationship. It's like it's two different, you know, feelings involved. <laughs> and I think with our kids, you know, they're used to having our worst, I think. Our kids see us on our worst days, you know. They go through some of our t- toughest storms with us. So I think that may be what makes it just a little bit easier to kind of tell them and knowing that you can kind of smooth it over. Like, they're not going to necessarily hurt your feelings. <laughs> they may well, ask my baby questions. Trust what I say. My baby trusts me. He trusts yeah. me. So I want to get this question answered. Um, we're running short on time. So the girl jessica she says so i've been in denial for years but now i've accepted my status so where do you ladies get your information from besides the doctors anybody else want to answer first um i think i doctors and um i am a google expert if i do say so myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um other people living with hiv i'm a lot of in a lot of um different support groups on facebook um we do have something here where I live in Iowa called uh, The Project, um, and they are very helpful with questions and anything of that nature or any help that has to do with HIV. Um, so I think it's just about where you look and who you talk to, but uh, Google's nice to find different support groups if you don't want to go somewhere in person. I know. Um, a lot of people, especially now during the pandemic, don't want to come out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and there's lots of different support groups virtually. I started with a live one, um, but no one there looks like me. It was a lot of, um, I love the old people, grandpas and grandmas, but it was a lot of old people. <laughs> um, they were surprised when I came and I'm like well I just I just I needed it like if I never went to that support group I probably I wouldn't be as public as I am I probably still wouldn't accept the fact that I am HIV positive um, it was a nice experience but it just it wasn't the right fit for me and that's the only reason why i started looking for support groups online um and because of that i was able to find the well project and actual um, advocates who look like me african-american women who accept their status and and live like they're older than me and i know because of that i i still have a long life and i'm able to talk to my kids about certain things that i probably wouldn't have been able to do if i didn't look for that support system yes the well project has definitely been a great resource in my life um before them it probably was just my doctor so my biggest suggestion or a piece of advice to anybody would probably not be google google is what had me feeling like i was going to die so i don't know you know how we use google differently but Finding another network of women who could share their experiences with me has been one of the most beneficial things that I have come across. Yeah, for me, I know for me, I didn't, um, I, 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 even when I was ousted and became an advocate at like 25, 26, it was lit, it was literally 
just something that happened and you know I, the, the help and support kind of came to me just because i was ousted on social media so it came to me and as you can see at that time i was living 20 like i said 25 26 years with hiv i had not accepted my status it was you know even at that age i didn't know a lot about hiv i didn't even really know the difference between hiv and aids you know that aids is and this isn't a virus at all so just being able to have that support, people being able to find me just because they saw the viral post and being able to pour into me. But I hear from, you know, people all the time that find me, you know, I just did a hashtag. I just, or I looked on Facebook and that's how I, they found people. They find information, you know, finding organizations that have all this information. When I was ousted one of the first organizations i came into contact with was the well project which you have so much information so many blogs so much to read and my my best source of information is other women just like me um other um perinatals or verticals living with hiv i went to camp for years which is another story for another day. <laughs> so all my friends, you know, now that we're older, knowing that we have HIV and we share with each other, you know, all my information definitely doesn't come from the doctor, especially when it concerns, you know, my health and what I can do to make myself feel better mentally um, and physically as well. So, yeah, just finding support, you know, reaching out to women. If you see a woman with HIV, reaching out to her, asking her if she can, you know, connect you to any groups or other women. I mean, where you see a lot of people with HIV, there's going to be, always be a lot of information and sometimes the best information because your doctor, you know, they can give you the prescription and tell you what to do, but they can't really walk you through the experience and how you'll feel and, you know, how your body may change. Like some of the most important things are in the things that our doctor is going to say to us. Like one of the most important thing to me was finding out which medication was going to make me gain some weight. <laughs> like, oh, wait, that made you gain weight? Let me go back and change my meds. <laughs> let, me, let me go get something new. Let me go get what you got. You're muted, CC. I've just been talking. Y'all can hear me now? Yeah. I was like, and I don't want that medication. I want to stay away from the one that helps you. That's what people be saying. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> but, so you can switch. Get my meds. My meds going to make you get skinny. It's the community. community. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just so grateful for this community. Um, Joe had the question about the portrait behind you, but we are over time. So I don't know if you want to go back and answer her question. She wants to know who's being featured in that. What do they represent? Do you know? Oh, mothers. I, yeah, moms, moms. So I, I'm a, a program coordinator for a moms pro, or a case coordinator for a moms program. And those are just pictures of moms, just pregnant women, all shades, all colors. <laughs> yeah, go us. So I'm going to go ahead and conclude this episode. We're a little bit over time, but it was so great talking to y'all. Um, let's go into it. Thank you so much for joining us for this seventh episode of A Girl Like Me Live. This has been amazing. Thank y'all so much once again. Um, please join us again in two weeks. That will be our next episode on, I believe it's like October 6th. Don't quote me. And I'll 
can't even think of what the episode is. Sorry, y'all. Blame it on the pregnancy brain. I'm at the point where I'm going to just blame it on that. But please know that it's going to be a very exciting conversation. And I can't wait for it. I just can't think of who it is at this moment. <laughs> um, we look forward to seeing you all then. Please connect with us at www.dowellproject.org. Link with us at it's always so great to add more people to our community. So thank y'all and you have a great day. <laughs>